0: lecture four part one of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard Ullathorne. this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture four on the nature of humility part one where is humility there also is wisdom proverbs chapter eleven verse two there are four virtues, the fruits of divine grace, which in their union bring the soul to God. These are humility, faith, purity, and charity. With the loss of the knowledge of the true God, they were lost to the world, and our Lord Jesus Christ brought them down anew from heaven to mankind. Their union in the soul is the distinctive sign of Christian holiness when pride throws off obedience to god humility dies when the mind rebels against the authority of god as the revealer of truth faith dies together with humility when the graceless soul allows the body to revolt and defile the soul with uncleanness holiness is extinct when self-love holds the place of charity the spiritual life of man is no more when these virtues have departed the man is left to nature and the world but to nature in cruel disorder and to the world not as god has made it in his goodness but as man has made it in his concupiscence to the world as it is taken up for a final end in place of god the men of the world have their measure of virtue but that virtue falls short of god and ends in this life they measure their virtues upon the requirements of their fellow-men a man is great in their eyes not as he serves god but as men serve him not as he loves god but as he has gained the good will of his fellow-men not as he has accepted the supreme reason of god but as he glorifies his own he is a great man of the world who by force of his own natural mind and will has obtained the ascendancy over many and variously gifted minds truth is less his master than his useful servant and the virtues as the world understands them are the docile instruments of his personal elevation without those four evangelical virtues he thinks and acts on the exterior of his soul but knows nothing of his interior he knows little of himself and little of god disguise the skeleton under whatever accomplishments the world's virtue, as in the heathen times, is the supremacy of the natural man. Yet it was to destroy this supremacy of self sufficiency that Christ brought these four virtues to mankind that by humility the soul might know herself and all that God is to her, by faith she might be the humble subject of his truth and authority by charity she might have her life in god and by purity she might be holy in body and spirit to have these virtues is to know them not to have them is to be completely ignorant of them because they are not theories of the mind but experiences of the soul a cynical writer of the world school has called them the dropped virtues but where they are dropped the soul has fallen from god and all care of herself the one least known of the four and consequently the most misunderstood is the virtue of humility and yet it is the very groundwork of the christian religion not only is it widely misunderstood but often despised and the cause of this contempt is the pride of false freedom putting aside however that ignorance which insolent pride prefers the virtue itself is of such a hidden character and there are so many spurious imitations of it that to those who have never cultivated the inward conformity of the soul to truth and justice it is not easy to distinguish true humility from its counterfeits but where true humility exists it seldom fails to discern its existence in another st lawrence justinian repeats the sense of the early spiritual writers in saying that no one can well understand what humility is unless he have received from god the gift of being humble for there is nothing in which men are more often mistaken and in their notions of what constitutes humility it is a grace as well as a virtue it is not only a virtue in itself but an essential element in all the christian virtues it belongs equally to the mind the will and the spiritual sense once planted in the heart and brought into exercise it draws light from many fountains moves to action from many influences and finds its motives in all comparisons of divine with human things it grows upon whatever we contemplate in god or in ourselves it is exercised in all our relations with god in every consideration of ourselves and in every due respect to our fellow-creatures and even acts towards the inferior creation with a beautiful benignity yet so vast is the scope of this virtue so profound its motives so widely does it act through the other virtues so many and so great are the evils to which it is opposed that the difficulties are insuperable of embracing the whole virtue within the terms of a single definition indeed the early ascetic fathers who devoted their lives to its cultivation declared it to be indefinable on a certain occasion st zosimus was instructing his disciples on humility when a sophist from antioch was present but the sophist could not understand what the venerable abbot meant he pressed him with questions and among other things asked how he Zosimus known far and wide for his sanctity and good works could call himself a sinner the venerable man could only smile and say that he was unable to explain further then his disciple st dorotheus who in earlier days had been a distinguished lawyer in antioch stepped forward and said i suppose it is like you philosophers and physicians and men of other professions that require great skill you obtain your skill by study reflection and practice but if any one asked you what that skill is and how you got it by degrees you could not tell him so the soul obtains the habit of humility by degrees and from the constant observance of god's commandments but that habit is unspeakable our father said, "Continues Saint Dorotheus, that we might know the presence of humility by its fruits. But what that disposition is that is thus formed within us, no man can declare in words. When Saint Agatho was dying, the brethren asked him if he felt afraid. He replied that he had always done his best to keep God's commandments, but as he was a man." he knew not whether his acts were pleasing to god or not because god judges one way and man another this explains how we are to apprehend humility an ancient was asked what humility is and he replied it is a great work something unspeakably divine the way to humility is to subdue the body with labour to submit oneself to everyone. one and to pray to god unceasingly but humility itself is divine and incomprehensible the celebrated cassian who brought the traditions of those great practical schools of humility the egyptian monasteries to the west tells us that it is based in self-renunciation and leads to charity but neither he nor the fathers whose instructions he has preserved ever attempt to define what it is he only gives the ten signs of its presence which st benedict afterwards expanded into the famous twelve degrees st john climachus the abbot of mount sinai begins his conference on humility in these terms to attempt to explain the sense and effect of divine charity of humility of holy purity of the divine illumination or of the holy fear that it inspires to such as we have never experienced them is like trying to explain the sweetness of honey to one who has never tasted it the saint then invites the brethren in conference to give their several views of the meaning of the word humility which was inscribed upon the wall after all had spoken the saint concluded in these words when i heard all these things and calmly weighed them within myself i found that i could not take hold of the blessed sense of humility from what i had heard humility is a grace of the soul that cannot be expressed in words and is only known to experience it is an unspeakable treasure of god and can only be called the gift of god learn he said not from angels not from men not from books but learn from my presence light and action within you that i am meek and humble of heart and you shall find rest to your souls the venerable man saw the impossibility of defining the virtue without the escaping of its essence and without such a contraction of its nature as to do injustice to its greatness and comprehensiveness notwithstanding all the light that has since been thrown upon this virtue from the greatest minds and holiest souls that difficulty still remains and is still felt though in a less degree when we come to treat the various definitions which holy and profound men have given of humility we shall see it to be so many-sided that no one definition can possibly do more than give a partial view of what that virtue is that sinful man should be humble through the gift of god does not seem strange on a first reflection but that the eternal son of god should take our human nature to his person and become the humblest of men is a fact so high and profound that it leads us at once to see that we cannot penetrate into the sublime depths of this virtue but our lord is the proof that humility is essential to the perfection of an intelligent creature whoever imagines that the need of this virtue comes altogether from our sins or from the necessity of conquering pride does not understand the nature of humility satan fell from innocence and adam fell from innocence only because they had ceased to be humble humility is therefore an attribute of innocence christ as the perfectly innocent man in perfect union with god has the complete knowledge of what man is and of what is justly due from him to god and as his human will was in perfect conformity with the justice of god in him alone is the virtue of humility in its absolute perfection although the blessed virgin was free from original as well as actual sin she was the humblest of creatures next to her divine son she was the humblest because the most pure and innocent and the most pure and innocent because the humblest and her words in the holy scripture breathe nothing but humility this is their wonderful charm it belongs to the holy angels as well as to the saints although in heaven it is exercised in a more perfect way for the blessed see their native nothingness and the wonderful gifts which god gives to their nothingness and their absolute dependence on god as they see all truth not in themselves but as mirrored in the light of glory to understand the virtue of humility we must consider it both subjectively and objectively by subjectively we mean the virtue itself as it exists in the powers of the soul and is exercised by them but objectively we mean the object and end for which it is exercised and the reasons and motives upon which it is exercised the light and law of the virtue comes from god and is present in the mind the exercise of the virtue is in the will but in the will as helped by the grace of god the feeling of the virtue is in the spiritual sense it is of understanding says st bernard and comes of knowledge it is of the heart and comes of affection humility is in the mind when the will subjects the understanding to the divine truth which god presents to the mind and to the divine author of that truth it is in the will when the will is subject to the will of god it is in the affections when those affections are subject to god in charity it is in the other powers of the soul when the will subjects their operations to god humility is in the judgment when we judge ourselves to be what we truly are in the sight of god it is in the whole conduct of the soul when we hold ourselves with firmness and magnanimity in that position in which god has placed us neither lifting ourselves with conceit above what we are nor presuming to account ourselves for more than we are humility consists moreover in the sense of our dependence on god on the help of his grace and the rulings of his providence it also very much consists in adopting the means prescribed in the gospel and taught by the experience of the saints for making us humble of such means are the faithful keeping of the commandments the following of the divine counsels of christ the exercising of humiliating labors and penitential devotions the denying of ourselves both in our senses and self-love and the taking up of our cross to follow christ it consists likewise and very much consists in living with filial reverence in the presence of god to whom we are accountable at every moment of our lives it also consists for its very basis in holding the will with patient fortitude in constant subjection to the strength and support of god and refusing to be detached from our dependence on him whether by pride vanity or any other solicitation of our lower nature finally humility must pervade the other virtues to make them subject to God and agreeable in His sight. This summary account of the virtue on its subjective side will help us to understand the various definitions that give each a partial apprehension of humility. We shall consider it on its objective side in the next lecture, in which we shall treat of the grounds of the virtue what first led to the careful consideration of the nature of humility from the intellectual point of view was the rise of the pelagian heresy of all heresies the proudest since its authors denied the necessity of divine grace for the justification and sanctification of man and maintained that with the preaching of the gospel man was sufficient for himself without the interior help of god this was to destroy the foundation of humility perhaps the first clear definition of humility is to be found in the celebrated letter to the virgin Demetriades, long ascribed to st prosper but more recently to julius pomeranius it was expressly written to guard that distinguished person from the wiles of pelagius who had addressed a letter to her the definition is in these terms humility consists in our subjection to god in all things to this subjection all humility tends treating expressly of its definition st thomas put it in these terms as it is a special virtue humility chiefly looks to the subjection of man to god for whose sake he also subjects himself to others his great commentator cajetan puts the same definition with greater precision in these words it is the subjection of whatever is of oneself to whatever is of god we must not however confound the subjection of obedience with the subjection of humility although humility is at the root of true obedience and true internal obedience fosters humility true obedience has its chief motive in god whilst humility has its chief motive in ourselves obedience contemplates the dominion of god and his sovereign right to command us whether directly or through his representatives and it consists in the subjection of our will to his will and law but humility contemplates our own unspeakable inferiority and in view of that inferiority it subjects or more truly abjects us into our just and true position beneath the infinite perfection of god for humility is always exercised in comparing ourselves with what is greater and better than we are and regards what we have that is less or what we have not at all its essential reason lies in our native poverty and want not as these defects are fancied or imagined but as we see them in very truth and consciousness for as st augustine observes humility holds its ground on the side of truth and not on the side of falsehood or to put it in the plain words of st vincent of paul the reason why god is so great a lover of humility is because he is the great lover of truth and humility is nothing but truth whilst pride is nothing but lying to which we may add that god is the great lover of justice and humility is nothing but justice whilst pride is nothing but injustice on the side of god therefore and as the final end of the virtue humility is the subjection of ourselves to god in all things the psalmist understood this when he said shall not my soul be subject to god for from him is my salvation and again be thou o my soul subject to god for from him is my patience for he is my god and my saviour my helper i shall not be moved psalm sixty one verses two six and seven the second definition we shall give is that of grostet the celebrated bishop of lincoln and of many other theologians humility he says is the love of abiding firmly in that order which belongs to us according to all its conditions as pride is the love of abiding in an order above what belongs to us this is the definition of humility as viewed on the side of justice by the order belonging to us is meant the rank and position that we hold in the sight of god with all the conditions and defects that truly belong to us and determine our position his contemporary st thomas takes the same view of the virtue he is explaining how humility comes to be a virtue and has the power of a virtue in repressing the appetite that aims at great things beyond just reason he then states that humility becomes a virtue when any one in the view of his deficiencies holds himself down in that low place that measures what he is as when abraham said to god i will adore the lord who am but dust and ashes perhaps this definition has been put more completely by another acute thinker who says humility is the virtue by which from the true knowledge of the human state and condition held with firmness the man holds himself persistently in that nothingness which of himself he is and refuses to be moved from it by any external thing this firmness and persistency in holding ourselves to what we justly are in the sight of god shows that humility is closely allied with fortitude and magnanimity and that it is a brave and courageous virtue we have a sublime example of this firm persistency in st francis of assisi whom nothing could move from the lowest estimate of himself, and who was wont to exclaim, Who art thou, O Lord, and what am I? I am what I am in thy sight, and I am nothing more. We may now listen to the explanation which Bishop Grostet attaches to his definition. Humility is the love of abiding firmly in that order which belongs to us in all its conditions this love may be in a man before he knows all the conditions of his state and therefore it becomes divided from one into many exercises of humility according as he finds out those conditions to explain by a similitude the light of the sun in itself or in the air is pure light but when it comes in contact with a colouring substance such as a many-coloured window the light divides into the colours through which it passes and becomes red yellow or blue in a similar way that love which we call humility whilst it adheres to the general principle of firmly abiding in the order that belongs to us is a general principle like the pure light before dividing into colours but as we gradually find out its several conditions and discover what belongs to each condition humility divides into its special kinds as light into its special colors for instance when this love discovers that it is due to our human condition to be subject to god as the angels and saints are and to keep the inferior creatures beneath us humility begins to love this state in a special manner which before was only loved in general so when this love begins to understand that penance is the state due to sinners it begins to love penance in a special way and not merely in a general way thus humility multiplies in man according to the number and diversity of states or habits which he discovers in himself as light is multiplied into many colors according to the things it touches as it belongs to every virtue to work and minister to that end for which it is appointed yet no virtue can continue so to work unless there be added to it the love of abiding and persisting in its condition it is evident that to the working of that virtue humility must be added and as this humility gives an abiding persistency to each virtue and so each virtue is preserved by humility it is likewise evident that humility is the guardian of all the virtues it is also the first virtue as pride is the first vice again the greater one is the more one is subject because greatness of soul consists in the number and intensity of the virtues to which the soul ministers, but every minister is subject to that which he serves, and this ministry is exercised by that love which we call humility. As humility, therefore, causes him who is greatest in the virtues to be all the more their minister, he is consequently all the more subject yet the humbler he is in this service of the virtues the higher will the branches of his reward ascend well therefore has the holy scripture said the greater thou art the more humble thyself in all things this beautiful exposition will be better understood if we reflect that the christian virtues are in their principle the gifts of god that man is their subject that it is by humility he becomes their subject and that in working with them he ministers to them as their servant and that in short it is by humility that he subjects the virtues to the service of god and secures their persistency according to this definition then humility keeps us firm in the position in which according to our deservings god has placed us it measures what we are and what we deserve and never advances to a higher position unless god advances us and when we are by him advanced it never forgets from what god has advanced us in this spirit abraham prostrated himself before god and said i will speak to the lord who am but dust and ashes genesis chapter eighteen verse twenty seven in this spirit when god had chosen saul to rule his people and his heart was yet as that of a little child he exclaimed am i not a son of gemini of the least tribe of israel and my kindred the last among the families of the tribe of benjamin one kings chapter nine verse twenty one in this spirit peter judged himself unworthy to behold the miracles of the lord and on his knees cried out depart from me o lord for i am a sinful man st luke chapter five verse eight in this spirit the canaanite woman took the place our lord assigned to her and answered yea lord even the whelp seed of the crumbs that fall from their master's table st matthew chapter fifteen verse twenty seven in this spirit the roman centurion declared himself unworthy that the lord should enter under his roof and in the same spirit of humility the publican in the temple stood afar off and would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven but struck his breast and said o god be merciful to me a sinner and he went down to his house justified. St. Luke chapter 18, verse 13. End of lecture four, part one.